I'm Maureen Milliken. And I'm Rebecca Milliken. And this is Crime and Stuff. And this is episode 24. 24. Of the podcast. You would do if you had nothing better to do. That's and right. my, I mean, we have had variations of that. I know. I can. I can never it's, really you know, remember. It's, but it's, it doesn't matter. The sentiment's the same. We just pulled it out of our ass. Yeah. Like on happened. our first episode anyway. We so. actually didn't pull it out. I mean, it wasn't meant to be our uh, catchphrase. Catchphrase. We didn't do any marketing studies on it or anything. And Khabibi's here with us because yeah, we're at if, my house Yeah, today. if Becky's making weird noises, it's because there's a cat on her lap. She's not my that we're, baby girl. Not that we're trying to be like any podcast. Hey, I can't help it if I've got my little kitty cats. Do we have anything we need to talk about before? Well, we have a bonus episode we just did, so we did update some stuff It came on out that. a couple days ago. And mm-hmm. so look for it. It's called Bonus Episode 1. And we'll also link on our website, which is crimeandstuffonline.com. We made a little video. We did. Going along with the Thanks. Sanborn case, which was Episode 21. Was that 21? Yeah. 22. 21. Well, you said 22. this 24. So, yeah. 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 If we could count, we wouldn't be doing podcasts. Yeah. We'd be so, But the Sanborn case... Disposable lives. That was twenty two, right? Because twenty one was something else. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma City oh, bombing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's hard to keep track because oh, we have so we many have episodes. So many. And and oh, and also I have some good news. You're pregnant. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ. You're getting married. No. Okay, neither of those would be really be good news, but No, they wouldn't. I real I no, I remembered on wasn't didn't I do a rant on the last one about uh, why any, why would anyone want to get married? Possibly. Yeah. And, and I think tonight, Tenny, sorry I think, to anyone who likes I think today's ep- <laughs> I think today's episode will reconfirm that. Okay. But before but I just want to say my good news. For the first okay. time since probably I was 15, I've rejected, officially rejected working for the man to work for myself. That's I quit my re- retail job. I was working in Staples Print and Marketing. Well, was that my wasn't most- really it. That was like a part-time job, though. It was, it but like now was I don't have current. any part-time jobs. That's true. Are you, don't it's very make me feel bad about my good news. It is freeing. It's like that, um, used to. It's like that song um, by... Um, Oh, why can't Bachman Turner Overdrive? Working for the man. Uh, oh, wait, no, no, that's no, Clearwater. The one about, um, you know, oh, God, why can't I think of that goddamn song now? Um, oh, fuck. Okay. Taking care of business. business that's Every it. day. Yeah. Taking and working overtime. I'm yeah, not but, doing any of that because I'm taking yeah, care of my but business. His, if, listen to the words. I, I it's should. an easy, it's as easy as fishing. You can be a musician. <laughs> I, I like you the way you blah, know. blah, 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 That's blah. That's true. Well, and part of it, too, is even though. Well, you're not a musician, but, you know, you, you're, you're pursuing your art. <laughs> That's true. I needed to get my mystery novel, my third novel in the Bernie O'Day series written. You know, you don't make a lot of money. Not working, but I had to weigh. <laughs> but I have other things That's, going on, and yeah. I'm doing freelancing and stuff. And you have to weigh. You have to weigh the time it takes out of your life to be in somebody else's living in somebody else's box is the way I always yeah. think of it against living in your own box. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and so I I feel very free. I'm lucky that I can I have a situation where I can rent out my house and yeah. But I just want to say I feel I feel well, very good about that. Thank you. I wish I could quit my job. I know. Well, you At know, least I get good insurance. That's one thing I. Although with Trump Care, we'll have the best insurance ever. I have to say that um, I don't want to get political, but the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, is very good to me because of the tax credit. I have a pre-existing condition and other things, and I can afford to do this and still have health insurance because of the ACA, and I hope that a year from now I'm not going to be sitting here saying I had to go get a full-time job that I didn't want to get so I could have insurance. Or I can't get my medication because... Well, me and the rest of the world need me to be medicated. I understand that. Yeah. But do you think... My prescription is $267 a month without I mean, what about people who... I don't know. Anyways, we can't get into that right now. That's a whole nother... And on that note, 
let's get into... So, it's your turn this week. And I'm excited because, you know and how... I, I don't know anything about... I hardly know anything yeah. about this. Well, although I, I, I'm the one actually, that texted you about it when I you first... Did, you heard. did, and it was exciting. But there's actually two murders here. You know how I like to find parallels and things? Yeah. And it's probably because I was an English major and you're always comparing and God, yes. So, today I'm going to talk about two murders in Connecticut that are decades, three decades apart, but they both were landmark murders. Okay. And there are some strange parallels, but you'll see. I'm going to start with the most recent one. Okay. The Fitbit The Fitbit. Murder. That's the one I texted you about. Okay. On December 22nd, 2015, Richard DeBate, and I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing his name wrong. That's how I'm going to pronounce it throughout the Oh, well, that's what it looks like, thing. DeBate. I haven't heard it on TV or anything, and... Richard DeBate texted his pregnant girlfriend, I'll see you tomorrow, my little love nugget. (laughs) Problem was, Richard, 40, was married and the father of two boys, age 7 and 4 at the time. Hmm. In November 2015, about a month before that text, DeBate had texted his girlfriend that he and his wife Connie had talked about a divorce and, quote, were on the same page. Sure they were. Right. Connie must have been a really agreeable gal, (laughs) because late the next night, after the the on-the-same-page text, she texted Richard, and I love all these texting things, and that'll come up later, a picture of herself in a sexy nightie with the words, I'm ready for you, big boy. Yeah. And yes, you is a letter, not a word. Yeah. Just saying. I never can do that. You know that when I text. I have to do complete it, sentences. It takes, it's harder for me to not use full. Me too. Words. But that's how we roll. You have to think too hard. I know. Okay. The next day, Richard texted the girlfriend that. The day after that, I'm ready for you, big boy, text from his Hmm. wife. He texted his girlfriend that he and Connie were ending their 12-year marriage with, quote, a slow-moving divorce to make it easier on the kids. Yeah. Less than 24 hours after the love nugget text. (laughs) Love nugget. I know. At least one of debate's problems was solved. Connie, 39, lay dead on the basement floor of their nice Connecticut home, shot twice in the back of the head. Police found debate partially zip-tied, to a nine-pound metal chair in hmm. the kitchen and suffering from minor stab wounds and a burn. According to the police report, DeBate moaned and said, they're still in the house. Yes. It's interesting that these people that break into people's houses always kill the most... I, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to... The weakest, yes. least threatening of the I'm going to bring that up later. Yeah, okay. You'll see. I have something to say about that. It's just an interesting observation. Debate said his wife was killed by a tall, stocky, masked man. Was he black? No. No, he he managed to not do that, to his credit. I guess that's the only thing to his credit. (laughs) One of the accounts um, said he described the guy as tall and obese, but everything else has said stocky. It'd be funny if he he described his boss or something. Right, and frankly, I don't think obese and stocky are the same thing. But a tall, stocky, masked man with a Vin Diesel voice. (laughs) Uh, Too much detail, Richard, I'm just saying. Wearing camouflage clothing. And I'm like, what kind of camouflage do you wear to do a Connecticut home I invasion? I laugh. The poor woman is dead. I'm sorry, I, I, Connie. I was, what, but I was saying, what kind of camouflage do you wear to do a Connecticut home invasion? Like oriental rug and um, muted, tastefully muted neutral colors or something. You know? Rick. Uh, any, and anyway, Richard told police he had left for work at 8.30 on December 23rd, dropped the boys off at school, but he got a house alarm notification on his phone about five minutes after he had dropped the boys off. So he turned around and went home, getting there around 9 a.m. He said the man was looking through things in the walk-in closet in their bedroom, and I'll go into a little more detail about what he said later. At 10.11 a.m., DeBate set off the panic alarm for the home security system, which could be activated from his keychain. The system placed an emergency call to police by 10.16. At 10.20, DeBate called police himself. When police arrived... He said he had struggled with the intruder before the man subdued him by applying pressure to his wrists. He found his pressure points on his wrists, just like on some TV show. The masked man then chased Connie, who had just arrived home from her spinning class, into the basement where he shot her. Police were skeptical from the start. Yeah, like, okay, you don't shoot. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Police were skeptical from the start. There wasn't any sign of a struggle in the neat house, though Richard told police he'd struggle mightily with the intruder, and three police tracking dogs couldn't pick up anyone's scent at the scene. Anyone but Richard's, that is. 
One dog, Rocky, went straight to the ambulance where Richard was being treated and wanted to jump in. <laughs> Good boy. Yeah, you cannot boy. fool the dogs. You can't. Debate's wallet was found, and let's just, as a default, say he's been charged but not tried or convicted yet. But I don't want to have to keep saying allegedly and stuff. So let's just default allegedly. on that. Debate's wallet was found in the backyard, but with all his money still in it. Hmm. Well, he said he burned the intruder with a butane torch... No one with such injuries checked in any area hospital or clinic. Also a little puzzling was the fact that Connie was killed with Richard's gun, a three hundred fifty-seven Magnum, of course, that he bought a couple months before. Five days after the shooting, he tried to cash in on a half-million-dollar insurance policy on his wife. The insurance company denied the claim. Yeah. Richard had stopped making payments on his own policy two years before, but had kept up the payments on his wife's. They both worked in IT, by the way. Mm. Not that that's relevant. In January 2016, about a month after her death, he withdrew nearly $100,000 from one of Connie's investment accounts. Richard has, had also changed his story numerous times, police said. About a month ago in April, Richard was arrested in charge of Connie's murder as well as with tampering with physical evidence and making false statements to the police. In an April 15th story following his arrest, neighbors told the Hartford Current that they suspected him all along, and he was arrested more than a year after the murder. Many, like me, thinking his story <laughs> laughably implausible yeah. and wondering why he was tied up and in such an easily escapable way while she was killed. And I just want to say, well, it hadn't been part of, it hadn't really been talked about in any of the newspaper accounts or anything, and you brought it up a little earlier, Richard, like, who comes to mind is Jeffrey McDonald and Charles Stewart are the two who immediately come yes. to mind, but a lot of them. The intruder doesn't shoot the weakest, most vulnerable person and then play around and barely injure the strongest, mm, yeah, most threatening you person. Go, you get rid of the threatening one first. You know, at least Charles Stewart, and maybe I'll do him as an episode sometime, had the, if you want to call it guts, to shoot himself in the stomach, not just yeah. piddle around and play. To me, that is the most is a huge red flag and no none of the stories really said police saw that as a huge red flag but they had to have you know they probably it probably wasn't even a huge red flag it was just a no-brainer yeah like come on and it just i think took them a while to put the case together yeah. which we will see so the hand-handedness as i call it, of the scene and the other good old-fashioned signs of possible guilt all piqued police interest but what finally did richard in wasn't old-fashioned at all texts facebook Email, a home alarm system connected to a computer and phone, computer files, smartphone notes, and ultimately, his wife's Fitbit. That's right, baby. I wear my Fitbit every day. Me too. Well, I'm not wearing it I've right now. I've gained like seven it. pounds but since I got it. But you still wear the Fitbit. Two Pol years ago. I've had it two years. Police used a huge abundance of modern electronic clues dropped like little cyber crumbs that led them to debate's arrest. Those clues and debate's apparent cluelessness are what did him yeah. in. First off, there are all the texts. Texts that show the girlfriend was increasingly unhappy, debate was married. And, and between him and his wife, often showing his wife was unhappy with him. Then there were the notes on Connie's phone. Despite the fact Richard said he was trying to save the marriage, Connie had a note in the phone notebook of her smartphone headed, Why I Want a Divorce. <laughs> and this had been created like a year before she... She died. She should have done it, Connie. You should have just done it. I know. The list included, I think she was trying to. The list included that her husband took money, quote, from a lot of accounts that don't belong to him, unquote, is an unfit parent, is uncaring toward her, doesn't come home on time, and, quote, acts like a kid constantly, unquote, took out a credit card without his wife's knowledge and used it to pay for flowers for his girlfriend and more than $1,200 at a strip club, and stays at a nearby Motel 6. Well, the fact that he has a girlfriend is... Yeah. Whatever. Right. Family and friends say that they weren't aware of a lot of the friction in the marriage, and Connie and Richard kept a lot of that to themselves, yeah. but there was obviously friction, a lot of it revolving around Richard's spending and childish ways. He had an obsession with Superman, uh -huh. and even running dressed as Superman in the Manchester Road Race, which is a big race in Connecticut... He would often sign off his text to his girlfriend with something like, from your Superman, or regard well, Superman. Or. He sounds like a total douchebag. I don't understand why he could even have one woman wanting to... Unfortunately, sometimes women and are... And yet, 
so desperate to have a man that they will have yeah, one Yeah, but like they this. could get somebody else just as bad. Right. So there was a lot God. of things that piqued the police's interest and didn't help Richard, but ultimately it came down to the timeline. Richard's story of what happened versus the electronic story. Yes, that's right. So Richard said he dropped his sons off at school and then started for work around 8.30. He got the notification from the alarm company about five minutes later, he said, pulled over on Reeves Road, checked the alarm notification on his phone, and emailed his boss he'd be late. So this would have been between 8.30 and 8.45. He said he got home around 9, where he says he heard something upstairs. At first he thought it was the cat, but instead found the mast. I know, Khabibi, don't... Uh, being used as a scapegoat. But instead found the masked, tall, fat, Vin Diesel-voiced intruder. <laughs> tall, fat, and stocky. Yeah, Vin D- Diesel-voiced intruder. <laughs> I don't even know what I don't that even, means. I know, I was thinking <laughs> I that no too. Idea. Ransacking his walk-in closet. He struggled with the intruder, and while he struggled, he heard his wife arrive home and yelled at her to run. And she would enter the house from the garage. He said the man incapacitated him by pressing the pressure points oh on his wrist God. and ran downstairs. It never really says how the man got Richard's gun. I guess there's an assumption that Richard got his gun and the guy got it away from him. And I uh. haven't really seen that in any of the stories. Connie was going down to the basement. It's not clear whether to get away from the intruder <laughs> or she was just going down there to, I don't know, put the laundry in the dryer or something. <laughs> She's ignoring <And> the intruder <laughs> yelling at her. Since it's fiction. And the man gave chase. Richard recovered enough from the pressure point Uh, stuff to chase two and saw the man about five feet away from Connie when he shot her. Richard said the gunshot disoriented him briefly, enough so the man could come over and even though, I don't know how many bullets are in a 357. I know, I was going to say, even though he had a gun, instead of just shooting Richard. um, Right, the man came over and again applied pressure to his wrist and neck, incapacitating him, mm-hmm. and tied him to a metal chair. Again, this is a nine-pound metal chair. I'm picturing it like one of those card table chairs yeah. or something. He then grabbed a butane torch from Richard's toolbox, burned him, mm. put something around his neck that made it hard for Richard to swallow, and began poking him with a box cutter. I don't. Richard okay. managed to move the torch with his right hand, which wasn't tied, Fortunately, that's the hand he used, too, that wasn't tied. So it was like his left arm and left leg that were tied to the chair. Well, yeah, you know. His right-handed. Turned it on the guy, and he set the guy's mask on fire. And it oh, he had a mask? Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, he was masked. Uh. And it set his, the butane torch set his mask <laughs> on went, fire. Oh! Right, and he went running out of the house on fire. Richard crawled up the stairs, still partially tied to the chair, even though his right arm and right leg were... Not tied, and he had access to things where he could easily untie okay. himself. If this were like a TV show or movie, I would be <laughs> I like, this is so fucking stupid. He okay. hit the panic button on the keychain, oh, then got his cell phone and called 911. No, why wouldn't he? Never mind. Okay, no. so that's Richard's story. Okay, Richard. Okay. Computer data shows that Richard sent the email to his boss at 9.04 a.m., not half an hour earlier as he said he had. <laughs> and it showed it was from his laptop at the house, <laughs> not from Reeves Road, what an idiot. as he said it was. According to his timeline, 9.04 is about the time he and the intruder would have been struggling the first time up in the bedroom. The data also shows him checking the YMCA schedule page online at about 9.18 a.m. This would have been probably around the time his wife was being shot. Yes. And then at 9.20, he checked ESPN's website for the Mike and Mike show. So, well, you know, he had to wait. This know. would have been around the time, according to his account. Maybe that was the intruder. That he was watching the intruder yeah. shoot his wife. It could have been the, the intruder, intruder wanted to see what Mike and Mike were yeah. having to say. Yeah. Connie's Fitbit yes. shows she left home at 8.46 a.m. to drive to her spinning class at the Y, which was about eight or nine minutes away. Surveillance cameras show her arriving at 8.53 a.m. At 8.53 a.m., she also sent a Facebook message to her psychotherapist asking if she could be hypnotized, quote, because there's a lot going on right now. Hmm, I'd like to be hypnotized. She left the Y at 9.18, so the spinning class must have only been 15 minutes, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't go to spinning class, obviously. obviously. <laughs> and made a three-plus-minute call on her cell phone. Two. This is around the time she would have been being shot. Oh, okay. But surveillance images show her leaving the Y and making a three-plus-minute call on her cell phone her Fitbit is dormant until 9.23, so that's when she was driving, and it shows her walking again. That's the same time the house's alarm records show the garage door opening, and police presume so that's her arriving home. Yeah. At 9.40 and 9.46 a.m., 
Connie posted videos to Facebook and note to everybody, these were not videos of an intruder or her being shot or anything like that. They were just the kind of videos you post to Facebook. Ah. And she also sent a Facebook message. Yeah, right. And she also sent a Facebook message to a friend and she did that all on her iPhone, but it registered from the home's IP address showing she was home and using their, um, and this was nine, like 9.46. Wi-Fi yeah. to do it. And this was at 9.40 and so 9.46. So after she was dead. Right. Her, her ghost last, could have done it. Right. Her last movement on the Fitbit is at 10.05 a.m. Hmm. She walked about 1,217 feet, not steps. When I first read that, I thought it was steps. And I said, boy, she was walking around the house a lot. <laughs> but she walked around 1,217 feet in the house, 10 times the distance it would have taken her to go from the garage to the basement, as Richard claimed she did. Police measured. Ah. The panic alarm at the home did indeed go off at 10.11 when Richard hit it on his keychain, but that's the only time it went off. There's no sign the alarm went off earlier in the morning when Richard said it did, <sighs> and that would have been recorded. What a friggin' dumbass. The Hartford Current reports that, despite the friction in the marriage and Connie's divorce list on her phone, text messages from her to her husband seem loving, including calling him Sweet Pea and Buttercup. Yeah. Richard also tells Connie he loves her many times. I don't get But that. obviously... He didn't. Well, you know, people still do stuff. But now I'll let The Current, The Hartford Current, where I got a lot of this information, close this chapter of the story. While many of those text messages were loving, The Current says, The tone was decidedly different on the day before she was killed, records show. Connie DeBate tells him she has spent two hours on the phone with Comcast arguing about a cable bill that doubled because he had added sports channels to the package. <laughs> she accuses him of lying and that she, quote, once again had to clean up his mess, unquote. Her last text to him said, Great day off and merry expletive Christmas. We can only assume it actually said merry fucking Christmas. Yeah. Which we can say even though the Hartford Current can't. Debate well, pleaded not guilty April 28th to <laughs> the charges against him. Give it up, buddy. His next court date is May 26th. His lawyers may ask for a change of venue and have unsuccessfully so far asked that cameras not be allowed in the courtroom. They say there's been way too much publicity over this. Maybe they're right. Richard because De- they have the fucking stupidest defendant really in a long stupid. time. He really is stupid. Richard DeBate, if found guilty, will be mostly a victim of his own ineptitude and obtuseness. As one neighbor pointed out in the current April 15th, right after he was arrested, where neighbor said, yeah, we figured he probably did it. But as one neighbor in that story pointed out, with today's technology, there's not much you can do and not get caught. Mm-hmm. As a side note, Richard in August, just this past August, benefited financially from Connie one last time. He got $99,000 from a settlement with her insurance company after a January 19, 2015 hit-and-run crash in which she was struck and injured by another driver who fled the scene. Yeah, it's probably him. I know, and was <laughs> never tracked down. She sued her own insurance company to recover her losses. Of the 99000 awarded nine months after her death, 33000 and some change went to legal fees, and Richard got the remaining 65000 Investigators and others also... his girlfriend. Yeah, she probably benefited from some of it. No, I'm saying she probably hit her. She's probably That's the hit possible. Investigators and others pointed out that it's the first time they're aware of that Fitbit data was used to solve a murder. Mm. Probably won't be the last, as long as... as hey, I was re- that it's happened. Right, and as I was researching all of this, it reminded me of another Connecticut murder years before, way before Fitbit smartphones... Laptop computers and everything else that snared Richard debate. Another Richard, hmm. Richard Crafts. Do you think that both of the, their nicknames were Dick? No, um, uh-huh. I know that Richard debate was Rick, and oh, okay. I don't know about Richard Crafts, but he seems like the type who people call Richard. Oh. He had also been married for 12 years, just like the debates. This Richard was married to a flight attendant, Helly. The two had three children, similar in age to the debates' sons. Richard and Helly also shared jobs in the same industry. Just as the debates were both in IT, Richard was a pilot for Eastern Airlines and Helly was a flight attendant for Pan Am. In November 1986, Helly Crafts disappeared, seemingly without a trace. Hmm. Richard Crafts told people she was away visiting friends in the Canary Islands or her mother in Denmark. He told others he simply didn't know where she was. (laughs) Many who knew her well had trouble believing she'd leave the three kids she adored without a word. Helly had returned home the night of November 19th from a flight to Germany. She put the kids to bed and put on her pajamas. She checked her mail and stuffed it in the pajama pocket. That's an important detail. All right. 
A few days later, she didn't show up for her next flight, as scheduled. She told friends on her flight crew that if anything happened to her, quote, it wasn't an accident. Hmm. She was sick of Richard's serial infidelity and had started divorce proceedings that fall. Shortly before she disappeared, private investigator Keith Mayo showed her evidence Richard was cheating on her. She'd given him a lead, a long-distance number on their phone bill that she didn't recognize, and he was able to track that to a girlfriend and took photos. So that's kind of the old-fashioned best you're going to do with technology yeah. at the time. Well, Richard also was aggressive and had a bad temper. Helly's divorce lawyer said that Helly was extremely concerned about potential violence. Helly's disappearance, though, was simply not on police radar. It was on the radar of her divorce lawyer, though, who knew what Helly was up against, and she and some of Helly's friends and Mayo... Oh, a woman divorce lawyer. Yes. Thing. Yes. Yes. Women's intuition. And she and some of Helly's other friends and Mayo, the private investigator, decided they should go to police. Mayo, in a Forensic Files episode from about ten years ago, said they went to the police and police turned a deaf ear. Ah! So Mayo decided to start looking into the case. He eventually got enough evidence that police took it seriously. Including... Yeah, thanks for doing your job. Evidence from the Crafts Nanny, which I'll talk about in a few minutes concerning a carpet in the bedroom that got replaced and Richard never would adequately explain, but she remembered seeing a big stain on the old one. A large freezer in the house had disappeared. <laughs> Credit card statement showed he'd bought a chainsaw and rented a ah, wood chipper the ah. night she disappeared. So this may be ringing a bell with some yeah, people at this yeah. point. When police finally paid attention and gave Crafts a lie detector test, he sailed through it. That's when Henry Lee got involved. Henry Lee is always Dr. showing up. Dr. Henry Lee. And he, at the time, was the head of Connecticut's forensic... Is he like 150 years he old? He must be. He was fairly young in this, and he was head of Connecticut's forensic lab. And as he said on the Forensic Files episode, a human body cannot just disappear. It has to go somewhere. Mm, very profound. So Henry Lee discovered tiny stains on the couple's mattress, which Richard hadn't replaced. It proved to be human blood. Ah. Now, this was before DNA testing had come into being. So the best they could do was it was type O positive, which was Helly's, and it was circulation blood, which meant it came from a blood ah. vessel, which meant it's not... Instead of like menstrual, menstrual blood or, blood or like a nosebleed okay. or something. All right. This was the best they could do, as I said, with blood vet back then. He also determined the blood came from someone leaning over the bed or kneeling as though they were changing the sheets or turning down the bed or something. They were yeah. a couple feet or inches from the bed. There was also a six-inch blood smear on the side of the mattress. While the towels in the house were clean, testing showed many had been soaked in blood. Yeah. But there was no body, there was no wet weapon, there was no witnesses. And at this point, nobody in Connecticut had ever been convicted of murder without a body. Ooh. So, But police got a break when they found out that a snowplow driver saw a wood chipper, a man with a wood chipper on a bridge around 3 a.m. and about an hour later on a nearby road. At the time, there was a massive snowstorm, and the snowplow driver thought it was very odd to see somebody out at 3, 3.30 a.m. Hey, he had to get it done. With a big wood chipper. That was the only time he could chip his wood. And the bridge was around the area where the Housatonic River meets um, Mount Zor Lake. Police went and... What they found was mostly wood chips. But they also got a break because they found the mail she had put in her pajama pocket. It had gone right through the wood chipper without being touched. Oh, isn't that weird? So they found a letter or two. I see, I don't really know how a wood chipper, like the mechanics of it, but yeah. that it, it went through, and so they found these wood chips, and there was mail with her name and address on it. Wow. They started finding hair. They found clumps uh, of hair that had also gone through the wood chipper without Ellie. being pulverized. He probably thought the wood chipper would just pulverize everything he put in it. They also found some blue fibers, the same color as her pajamas. Uh, they found some bone fragments. Uh, Against a wall where the sun had melted the snow, because there was a lot of snow, they had to melt the snow to find a lot of this stuff. They found a pink fingernail. Uh, a pink painted fingernail. In the river, divers found pieces of a chainsaw with the serial numbers scratched away. They were able to use a chemical solution to reveal what the serial number was, and it matched Ooh. a warranty card sent in by Richard Crafts. <laughs> so he yeah, he went back and she, yeah. Well, he, oh, yeah, because he had just bought the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah he had just what bought an it. idiot. Jesus. The hair they found matched hair from her hairbrush. The polish on the fingernail, they used chemical tests and determined it was the exact same polish 
that was on her dresser at home. Uh. Still, I had to prove that she was dead. None of this proves she was dead. Oh, my God. So, and this may gross some people out, but they rented the exact same wood chipper and took a pig presumably dead, and ran it through with wood the way Richard Crass had done. And Henry Lee discovered the chipper had left its own signature on bones, its own little pattern of chips on bones. And the ones on the pig's bones were similar to the ones on the bone fragments they found. They also found skull fragments, and those skull fragments, and they didn't do the pig thing on the banks of the river because obviously they didn't want it to mix with any evidence mm-hmm. that might still be there. On the river bank, they had also found some skull fragments, and these skull fragments had little minuscule lines in them which show blood veins, and humans are the only ones with blood veins in their skull. So those were definitely human skull fragments. The bevel on the edges of the skull and bone fragment showed that the um, skull was broken with enough force that whoever they belonged to was dead. Oh, well, that's good. The bones were type O positive. So, again, no DNA. They had to connect all these little right. dots. Which they did. That's what they used to do so, back then. So, and they had to prove, because there was no body, they had to prove those were from Heli Crafts and that Heli Crafts was dead. And by putting together those details about the skull fragments, they were able to do that. Nice. An investigator who was sent back to comb the crime scene spent five days combing around. His last day there, he slipped and fell, and it was very muddy, and he washed his hands off, and they were using a sieve and a pail. Every time he washed anything, he did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it catched things, and there was a piece of a tooth. Ah! And the tooth matched her dental x-rays. Oh! So Henry Lee pointed out her teeth are in the pile, Uh, The pile showed a human head with the same blood type uh, as her going through tremendous force, and they felt that was enough to prove Helly Crafts was dead. The theory was that Richard had hit her with a heavy flashlight as she was bent over the bed, either turning down the the bedding or something like that. He wrapped her in bed covers and put her in the big freezer downstairs. The nanny got home around 2 and she went right to bed. At daybreak, he took the nanny and the kids to his sister's house, saying that Hallie had left early in the morning. Then he rented the chipper and a U-Haul. He took the frozen remains, chainsaw, and wood, and the chipper to the bridge. He dismembered her with the chainsaw and Ah! put her through the chipper with pieces of wood. Because her body was frozen all the way through, there was no blood to mess everything up. Most of what he did went into the river, but it was a cold, snowy, uh, windy night, and some of it blew onto the bank. As we said, the mail passed through untouched, and at least some weird. of that went onto the bank. It, uh, some people who believe in a higher power might believe that that was done on purpose. I think it was just a nice, good break. Serendipitous. He threw the chainsaw into the river. They found in the chainsaw, they also found like little fragments and blood and uh. stuff when they cleaned it up, even though it was, had been in the river for a couple months. His first trial ended in a mistrial. Uh, one of the jurors apparently couldn't get past the fact there was no body. What an idiot! But the second there are one... pieces of a body! I know. Jesus! The second one didn't, and he was sentenced to 50 years. He's still, to this day, he's still alive. He maintains his innocence. <sighs> Fucking idiot. So those two crimes that are so different in so many ways, but there's also kind of a parallel to them. The chainsaw woodchipper had more some more smarts than... Yeah, but what I'm talking about is basically... The parallels in the cases is yes. with crafts, they had to piece together a lot of little yes. things to make a whole picture, and it took creative thinking and a yes. lot of hard work. And, and, hard and the work. same with debate. While circumstances seemed to point to his guilt, it took connecting a lot of little dots in new ways to make the big picture and bring about the charges against him, mm-hmm. although it hasn't been proved if you know those will lead to a conviction. But both of them were, I feel like, really just... As we say a lot, narcissistic and typical and not husband seen, killing wife. Right, like like crafts. It's one of those typical things where it didn't occur to him that that nobody would be concerned that she had just. I know. You know that he could say, "Oh, she just left," and nobody, none of her friends, you know, not her kids, that nobody would think that that was weird. Or maybe he did, and he felt that you know, prove it. And the forensic files, they had a lie detector expert saying, you know, if somebody really believes that they can get away with it, they can pass a lie detector test. 
Yeah. Which is one of the problems with the lie detector well, test. Thing. If sociopath. You're, if you're a sociopath, you know yeah. he's he felt he was so arrogant and debate. I think he was a lot dumber than Crass. Oh, yeah. But all this stuff. I mean, what do you think? All this shit is going to like all the electronics, the alarm. Nobody's going to check to see if there was an alarm at eight thirty in the morning. I know. You know, nobody's going to see. I wonder about emails. debate. Not not that he wasn't stupid because he was. It didn't go the way he had actually planned it, so he was trying to, after the fact, cover it up by doing that stuff. I mean, you know, by saying, telling that story. Yeah, not that, not that that makes it any better because it's still well. But you stupid. wonder how he would have planned it differently. I mean, how didn't it go how he had planned it? Well, he shot her, and then, it, but I don't know. It I just think he had. Like I think he had planned it. Maybe he, but didn't. he just planned He's it just stupidly. Really stupid. And he didn't think of a lot of details. I mean, the guy obviously doesn't watch true crime shows. I mean, don't leave the money in your wallet. Do something with your money. If you want, if you love your money so much, you don't want to flush it down the toilet, or well, you wouldn't want to do that because they'd find it. Hide it somewhere off your property so you can go back and get it. But don't throw your wallet They're with all the money. Doing stupid things. And, and, and then tied his left arm. It's you laugh. His left arm and left leg tied well, to a nine-pound chair. Right one I know because he was using it. I know. And but but then the whole thing, like anybody who wears a Fitbit. I knows know. what it's going to show. I know. And she had one. She didn't and have a wrist the one. heart rate one. Yeah, she didn't have a wrist one. She had one that you yeah, attached clip, to your waist. Yeah. Now, maybe he didn't know she had a Fitbit, or maybe he was never listened to her and didn't yeah. know what it recorded and stuff like that. At least friggin' take it off of her. <laughs> put it somewhere. And he then probably didn't even on. think about no, it. No, he didn't think it. There's a lot of stuff he didn't think about. Oh, good. Because now he's going to go to jail. Yeah. Unless the jury's an Unless idiot. Jury's a bunch of idiots. And, you know, just saying that, yes, oh, he covered himself by emailing his boss, although it was a little later than it should have been, and he did it from home. The least he could have done is do it from his iPhone instead of his computer, you know? He could have called. I mean, he could have called him. I don't... uh, Or texted him. Whatever. Whatever. So I thought those were both, I yes. mean, they're different, but the same. Interesting, they're the same state. and Yeah, and we'll obviously have updates as Richard DeBate goes through his court proceedings and stuff. We'll, we'll keep that one um, Yes, I would like to see updated. what happens. I'm sure that'll make the news because of the, the way that... The... Well, it's already, yeah, it's been in the news big time. So, well, hey. Because of the Fitbit. But that's the thing about today, your whereabouts are never... Really, a secret. secret. No, they're whether not. you're a, whether you're a criminal or a victim, because your phone, a lot of, I mean, unless you have it turned off, it's got a GPS on it, right? And and just the and you know the Fitbit is the thing I think that made it such big news. But when you look at all the things, the texts, the the home alarm with the phone notifications, the home computer, the you know the surveillance video that showed her at the Y, you know when she came and when she left, it's all just. Um, I'm going to have to, like, listen to what, how Vin Diesel talks. I don't I think I'd even... And that's the thing, as a writer, I have to say... He's a Vin Diesel. That's, that's one, that's like one too many details <laughs> about the intruder. Just one too many details. And that's like, we had talked, I think, maybe briefly, I and I thought of doing... someone's voice. I thought of doing an episode about reporters who have made stuff up, because there's so f- yes. many fewer than... But one of the things that always clues you in or can clue you into somebody to a reporter who's making their stories up is they have way too many interesting details all the time. There's just so many interesting details you can come up with. And I'm not saying every story that has a lot of interesting details is. Yeah, but... But if if you're struggling with an intruder... I mean, it's possible police said to him, what did he sound like? And the guy said, oh, I don't know, Vin Diesel. And it made its way into the police report and then into the news (laughs) stories is he said he had a Vin Diesel... Voice, but it just seems to me you know, he was tall. I didn't even he know was what Vin Diesel stocky. He had a Vin Diesel voice. He had a mask. He had camouflage clothing. Blah blah blah. He was white. Blah blah blah. You know. So, but the whole thing about why it, it always kills me: Jeffrey McDonald, Charles Stewart, many many others. Like Jeffrey McDonald, the wife and children were brutally, horrifically overkilled. Yes, and then and he's he had got some a puncture bunch of wounds, puncture wounds, which now over time, right now it's become. Oh, he uh, was injured. Yeah, no, he what? had puncture no. wounds, and again, 
he was, I can't remember if he was right or left-handed, but they were to the side yeah, of him the, the, that his strong co- hand would have made them. The at the time, the investigators yes. at the time knew. And Charles Stewart, who, Ugh. for those of you who aren't familiar, in the early 90s, he and his pregnant wife were leaving a childbirthing class at, I think it was Beth Israel Hospital. It was one of those hospitals in that clump of hospitals yeah. in Boston. Dark Knight, allegedly a black man, tried to hijack their car shot his wife to death, shot him. He was in the hospital. All this stuff came out, the usual infidelities, money issues, blah, blah, blah. He ended up jumping off the Tobin Bridge. It was another thing where why does the guy shoot the wife to kill but shoot him in the stomach? That happens all the time, though. Those of us who watch these 48 hours in Dateline. I know. That's always a red flag. When the big, strong man, and I'm not even saying that in a glib way. No. Is he's the biggest threat to an intruder. Almost always the man is going to be a bigger threat to an intruder than the woman. That's the, you want to neutralize the threat. When you see couples killed a lot, the man is, well, a lot of times the woman gets raped or something too when there's, when couples are victims. But the man is usually killed Get it, getting out of the way as quickly as right, possible. And my guess is that the bait story was going to be, or supposed to be, or maybe this detail was lost. Mm-hmm. The guy wanted to torture him to get their pins and stuff to get money, and that's why he didn't kill him. But even then, if I were the intruder, you kill the man, you wrestle the guy's gun away from him, or however the gun ended up in play, and you don't shoot him. Instead, yeah. you, you leave him... You use yeah, <laughs> the you, pressure the Vulcan plate. nerve. You pinch. use the Vulcan nerve pinch and chase his wife down <laughs> to the basement and shoot her. You don't do it. You How don't leave the guy. Do they think you do I know, think you want but you shoot the guy and then you chase the wife down and then you tie her up if you're going to leave someone alive and torture her. You know. Hey, that's why we're not criminals. I guess not. More people would, or be at least dead. we get away with it. <laughs> So that is our story for this well, week. Well, that was very interesting, yeah, and I knew nothing of... I I remember the wood chipper guy, and I remember him wood chipping in the blizzard. Yeah. Which was pretty suspicious. But I did not know anything about the Fitbit guy except for the blurb I read, and then I And I want to credit, again, the Hartford Current. There were a lot of stories about this that were very vague. The Hartford Current is all over this, and they and a lot of the, the nice, rich details I got from, yes. from their coverage. Well, thank you, Hartford Current. So, for our recommendations today, because obviously Ask a Lawyer is still not back. He will be. He will be, Matt I promise. Fans, the fans Matt's are very clamoring busy. for yes, Matt. Yes, they are clamoring. But neither of us have cable TV anymore, but we do watch shows. We have some favorite shows and stuff on Netflix and Hulu, and it's amazing what you can watch. But we have some favorite characters that we want to talk about. Yes. 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 God, yes. So, Uncle Jimmy's one of my favorite Yes, characters. he's on a podcast. <laughs> yes. S-Town, so you yes, have to watch S-Town. Listen to it. But I watch. have watched, and I haven't gotten to the second season yet. I started buying the second season, but I, then I didn't want to pay. <laughs> so I had to wait till it came out. Better Call Saul, because I like Breaking yes, Bad. Yes, I like that. But one of my favorite characters was Saul Goodman, the lawyer, Better Call Saul, played by Bob Odenkirk, who I've always loved in yes, everything he's, he's so ever funny. been in. He's somebody like... I'd want to, like, have a beer with yeah, and stuff like funny. that. I feel like we could be friends if I knew him. Don't look like that. We could be. <laughs> but I don't you know, know if he like knows that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying because yeah. we don't know each no, other. No, he's fun. I have a feeling like in Breaking Bad, he was supposed to be like a minor character. Yes. But, but he was one of those characters him. that... Well, part of the reason I liked him was he... And I haven't seen Better Call Saul, but the reason I like that character is... Because I got to where, the point where I didn't really like m- many of the characters. And in Breaking the show. Bad. Yeah. yeah. He was one that I felt actually had some bit of a conscience or some kind of humanity. Because I freaking, what's his name, didn't. Walter White. Yeah, by the end of it. But yeah, he well, never did. I don't think he ever did. And actually. I have to say that's to Bob Odenkirk's credit that he's able to create a character who, by all. By all accounts, should be sleazy and unlikable, and somehow makes him vulnerable. Still liked him. We still liked him, even like he had that horrible tacky off. I know. But the TV show Better Call Saul, and if you haven't watched it, because a lot of people probably haven't, I'm not going to do any spoilers except for the fact he doesn't even his name's Jimmy McGill. Yeah, which we found out in Breaking Bad that that was right. Right, you do find that out, but he doesn't even become Saul by the beginning of the second Mm -hmm. season. He's still so the first season is this whole story arc about how he gets to that point 
And it's really good. I don't want to give anything away except for I want to just say it is so worth watching. It's not Breaking Bad. I almost felt like Breaking Bad became almost too much of a big thing. And sometimes I yeah. like smaller things. Yeah. Better Call Saul is just, it's basically a really great character study. And I hugely recommend it just for that. And I'll watch anything with Bob Odenkirk. Yes, in it. I like him. anything. So who do you have who's a favorite character? Well, speaking of small, small things, <laughs> is I, this show is one of my favorite shows is The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I love it's that show. It's so funny. But when you, I was trying to explain it to somebody and it sounds really silly. It defies explanation. And it is silly. It's. It's one of those shows, it's it's silly. Say the premise. Say what the premise is. Okay, so Kimmy has been held in an underground bunker for 15 years or something. Yeah, by a... By this cultish <laughs> David Koresh type guy. Played, played by, by John Hamm. Yeah. Um, with three other women. <laughs> and um, they get rescued somehow. The opening, like the theme song, yeah. if you want to call it that. Unbreakable! I can watch that, that guy. The females are strong. strong. <laughs> yeah. I love have to the, uh, the openings. It's She's not real- realistic at all. Which it isn't She's a very, very optimistic person. She's very sweetly naive to but the point. But she's also and she's also funny. stuck in the 90s. She's stuck in the 90s, and she's unapologetic. You know, it kind of reminds me of, not the um the show, but the feeling of it is kind of like the movie Napoleon Dynamite. The person is very geeky, but... I have an affection for them. I'm not laughing at them, but it's you funny. You empathize in a lot I of like, ways. And yes, I can empathize. It's nice with that, that people sweet and, and vulnerable can actually. She's sweet, but she's clueless. But she's like doesn't give a shit. It's just funny. Like the like like clueless with a strong moral compass. And she is a really bad landlady who stuck her in a roommate played with, by Carol Kane. Yeah. But your favorite character is Titus. Titus is her roommate that she doesn't realize she has, but then she just accepts, she doesn't mind having him. No. He apparently hasn't paid his rent. Well, she was in this underground bunker with yeah. the other people. So. <laughs> and by the way, the flashback scenes to the underground bunker. And there's a woman, one of the women there who spoke, spoke, spoke Spanish. Well, she pretended she, she didn't understand English didn't understand. because the other women annoyed her yeah. so much, so she yeah. didn't have to communicate with them. But t- it's talk not, about Titus. Oh, Titus. He's a black gay guy. Black, unapologetically flamboyant. He's just funny. I can't. There's a certain sense of humor that will really like this show, but I can see that there's people that will watch it and totally hate it. It's just one of those shows where you either think it's really stupid and don't get it at all, or you think it's hilarious. Right, and one of the things about Titus I think that's so likable, he just makes, both of them make me laugh, but he makes me laugh because he's so... He isn't optimistic or anything, but he's he wants to break into showbiz. Yeah. He's and very he's, confident in himself. He's very confident in himself, and he's so sure of his what he wants, even though he's just constantly yes. getting... <laughs> at one point, he's this waiter in, yeah. a, in a restaurant where you have to dress up like... Is it like a, is it like a horror restaurant? I'm trying to remember. So Titus is played by Titus Burgess, who's actually a Broadway actor with a lot of great credits. He oh, was yeah. the first black male to, it is a spooky to play the witch in Into the Woods. Um, but he, and his, what was that? What was his one-man show or whatever? His, oh, Kimono, Kimono you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he did a beautiful. People got mad, though, but then they liked it well, when they he thought. Sang, when, and the thing is, like, one of the things I like about him is he seems so silly and everything, and then he performs like when he sang that song i think he sang it in japanese right oh about his past life as a geisha yeah yes and it was really beautiful <laughs> yes, it was beautiful and it's funny because that show he has so it's called he said he has a past life where he was a geisha so he made this musical about it and so all these asian people were protesting it but then when they saw the show they really liked it and, and that was on asian people on the show were yes, protesting that show, in, real in real life yeah that actually leads me to another show that I really oh, well, like. talk about his arch rival though, Cornelius, and like they were, they were vying for the role of like sharecropper number one or something. Yeah, some. Oh God, it's, it's just everything he does is funny. I laugh funny. at everything you have to he does. See, the the whole show is funny because it goes places you don't expect it to go. And then what's her name from from Thirty Rock? Jane Jane Krakowski. Yeah, because Kimmy got a job as a nanny 
for them, and they have this awful teenage the only, daughter. Who, the only thing on the show that bugged me was the whole Robert Durst. Yeah, the landlady getting. Yeah, yeah I wasn't interested me. in that. I thought but it the was rest a reach. of it was funny. Yes. Um, uh, what were you gonna say? So, oh, another show that I really like, and is Kimmy Schmidt's on Amazon. I'm pretty I sure. I thought it was on Netflix. I'm sorry, it is Netflix. The one show that I I don't think I ever talked about it. Um, Master of None. Aziz oh yeah, I love sorry. that. It's so funny because he talks about he talks about race and uh, racial stereotypes. His parents are in, in the, real life play his parents, and, and he's, they're, they're funny. from his, India. His father's funny. Did you see the one where he has he has an Asian friend? Yeah, and they had their parents. Yeah. Dinner. Yes. Oh God, it was hilarious. And it's but poignant. He gets in a argument. He doesn't want to do any more roles where he's has that really strong Indian accent and and stuff like that. And he gets in kind of an argument with a with a actor friend of his who's also Indian who does take those roles. Yeah. So they talk about race in a way that a lot of shows are afraid to yes. talk about race. Yes. And, and it is hard for white people to talk about race. I think because well, because we fuck it up. We can't. Uh, we I, don't know how. You don't. Well, we. It's hard so, to understand yes. it when you're in the position of being the the one that that is not the, the usually. Per- well, one thing I liked about Parks and Recreation, and maybe this is almost the wrong thing to say, but he's obviously Indian. But his name was Tom Wilkerson. Right, and people would ask him where he was from, and he'd say South Carolina. But the fact that he was ethnic rarely came no, up on it the didn't show. Come up, and yeah. and it wasn't like this big. I don't know. Right. Well, it's one of my issues. Sometimes it is an issue, and other times it's... And it, and it should be treated as an issue, I mean, most of the time. Well, one of my issues... Like, this is kind of the same, but kind of different. Like, I really haven't watched that show, Parenthood, and I apologize up front for anyone who's a big fan of it, but I was trying to explain to somebody, and everybody's been, like, all lauding and all... Oh, because there's a fat woman on it. And I it's not said Parenthood, to somebody... that's This Is Us. Oh, This Is Us. I'm sorry. That just shows how much I don't pay attention. This I Is Us. So there's a fat woman on it. And you know, because I say there's a fat woman on it, what I'm talking about. But I was trying to explain to somebody, and I know, why does the fat woman have to play a fat woman? In other words, and it was the same when, when what's her name, Melissa McCarthy had Mike and Molly. You can't be a fat actor without, at least if you're a woman, without playing a fat person. That's true. And people may say, well, of course, because you're fat. But the thing is, why can't you just be, why can't you just be a member of an ethnicity or race or fat and, and just be, be a character? Yes. Be, be a character. Will why can't you be the judge about, or the lawyer? You know, I, I, or the, I will, I have watched the show, so I will defend it in a way. I do agree with what you're saying, that why can't she just be a person who's fat and not that be the focus of who she is, although she is quite large, and I would think that that is a a ma- major part of your life. It is, and they talk about issues surrounding fat yes. people, but yet she's the only fat person on the show, am I? Yes. So why can't there be oh, other Although fat? her boyfriend, she... And, but the thing right, that tells me... Right, because if you're a fat girl, but you're he wears a, a fat, fat suit. Boy. No, they met at a... She didn't want to date him. They met at a... Because he was fat. I don't kind know. of. I don't. But no, but that show isn't as bad as it looks. But from there the should be but in I real life. What you're saying. We're surrounded by fat yes. people in this very room. There are Two people who are people. overweight. Mm-hmm. So. And I know Sorry, Hollywood isn't real, and so you're not going to have a lot of fat people. Yeah, but, but the no, only fat people yes, you're yes, ever going to yes. see are people playing "quote unquote" fat people. Yes, and I will say yes, the only yes. the only exception to that was another show I love that only lasted two seasons. The one that Melissa. Oh McCarthy yes, um, uh, Samantha Who. I love Samantha that show. Who. Melissa McCarthy played her friend or her wannabe friend. Well, her ex, her friend from like middle school. Right. Yeah, I love that show. It's and, not online and anywhere. And it was Melissa McCarthy, so she was overweight and she nothing was ever made. Well, same with when she played Suki, too. Suki, I feel more girls. That. That's true. And, but, but now again, that she's losing weight, people are giving again, her shit. Again, the only fat You can person, never win. Right. But Samantha Who was hilarious. Oh, and my God. she had other she friends. Uh, so the, um, yes. the, oh, uh, my God. I don't know why that show didn't last longer. Because we thought it was funny. Here's another funny show that it's no longer on that people should look up that just now that I'm I think I'm Samantha Who shows. isn't anywhere though I haven't been able to find it uh, uh, Andy Richter Andy oh yeah not not the one where he played the PI I like but that one. the one where he worked at the yes. ad agency yes, oh my god funny. and that's another show that I talked about Andy race Richter. I follow him on um, stuff too that didn't last long because people know, don't want their race point and about, comedy about mixed fat people just normal people one thing that I used to love to watch was soap operas which are no longer well there are a few but oh yeah there was a soap opera with a fat woman 
There were several. There were no, a lot of normal people. But I remember, I used to watch Guiding Light. There was a character, Maureen Bauer, who was married to Ed Bauer. And the actress who played her, when she started the role, she was thin, but she chubbed up. She was never fat. She was just regular. But she, they killed her off, and the backlash was huge. she was huge. too fat. They didn't, it wasn't that she was too fat. It was they wanted to do something with the Ed Bauer character. And they, apparently, their focus groups didn't show, they didn't show liking her or disliking her. They thought that people were indifferent to her. The name of the actress was Ellen Parker. I still remember. And uh, the reason people loved her so much, because she was a regular. But there was never any, no one ever said, ooh, you're, because she wasn't fat. She was normal Normal. looking. She was normal. She was not Normal in real life is fan on TV. I mean, she was, she was probably, you know, you would consider her overweight, but she wasn't fat. She was just, you know, bigger than normal. I found that on soap operas, there were a mix of actors a lot of times. And now it seems like there's a lot of beautiful people type still. But I found that when I first started going on the internet, there were a lot of discussion groups uh, focused on soap operas. I found that the characters that people like were very devoted to were the ones that were played by normal looking people. There was a guy that played Hal on As the World Turns. Benjamin Hendrickson, I think, was the name of the actor who ended up killing himself. But he was he was like a regular looking guy and he was such a favorite with the fans. I feel they like didn't... soap operas tended I mean there were they, beautiful people obviously were but based in New York they tended to have more normal looking yeah. people than Hollywood looking people. And you know people used to put down soap operas all the time but when you think about it they're still around it's just that the form is people have always liked stories about well, other people and they like people's stories that back to the Greek and Roman gods. There's a lot of shows where, you know, it went from daytime soap operas to to regular shows where the storylines would stretch out, like ER and, you know, shows like that. They'd have a... They took the format and... And they would do character-based stories, even like shows even earlier than that, like, what was that one? Hill Street Blues and stuff like that. The the same people that like shows like that would put down soap operas, but people love soap operas. Yes, they do, and there's a reason. Because people like characters. Even watch, like, Orange is the New Black, which is coming out next month again. Oh, yeah. We'll have to, but I mean, that's basically A a soap opera. Full of women in prison. Yeah. But that's one thing, like, even... When I'm writing my books, not that it's about me and my books, I got tired of reading books where all the characters, or especially female protagonists, were these glamorous people. Not that you can really relate with anybody in a book, because obviously there has to be enough drama and that type of thing, too. You want to escape. But I wanted to have characters who were more like real people. Yes. Not that it's about me. But I think that's probably it for today. I guess so. Yeah, we've talked ourselves out. We've gone the way cats, beyond yeah. our, what our topic, I recommendation don't even know topic. What it was. But we if you're looking for new stuff to watch, Better Call Saul, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yes. Look through the vaults and find... I like Samantha Who. The Andy that Richter. What was, so the, what was his show Andy called? Richter Controls the Universe. Yes. yes. Samantha Who, if that can be found oh, anywhere. Yeah. They're all great shows, they especially are. if you And like. Aziz Ansari, Master of None. Master of the, None. But I, I like shows that, like his that have a refreshing take on stuff. That where you don't, afraid. you can't predict everything. These shows where you can predict everything that's going to happen next <sighs> and what people are going to say. I can't take it. To me, that's not good drama and that's not good comedy. When, if I know what's going to happen, I don't freaking, it's boring. At night when mom and I turn funny. from MSNBC to watch the 11 o'clock news. Oh, you actually leave MSNBC? She watch, actually lets you She always says, do you want to watch Brian Williams or the news? And I'm like, I want to watch news. She goes, we're just going to see like somebody getting shot or something. I said, that's why I want to watch the news to see who got shot today. And like instead it happens of, all the time I, I mean, no, I. Instead I, of, I know, but let's not going to, because I was going to make a point. So we see the end Lots of times we'll see the end of whatever show, whatever drama is playing out on our local channel before the news starts. And it always reminds me of on The Good Wife. Remember that show they yes. were always watching? Uh, yeah. You never really knew what was going on, but it was all this like weird, a lot of times weird, trite drama stuff. But I'm always thinking, I'm watching the end of these shows, and I don't want to say what they are, but I always think, God, I'm so glad I don't watch that show. Yeah. Because even though I don't watch it, know nothing about it, it, lots of times there's a m- montage with soulful yeah, music yeah, and yeah. shit happening and stuff. I'm like, God, I just can't take shows like that anymore. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to end. Okay. If you can take shows like this, you can uh, look for us again next week.
when we'll yes. have another topic. Oh, you can check out our website. Check out our website. Crime and stuff online. And if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, I go ahead. Rate do. and review us. Yes, rate and review. You can find rate out on review. our website how to donate. That would if help, you like, help keep us going and get some equipment. Yeah. And if you donate, we also have merch. We have tote bags and some other cool stuff. And yes, and definitely go on our website too to to see what our past episodes and a lot of times we'll put articles that we used in research right articles and videos if you don't want to read something there's more about us there's other stuff and our facebook page our facebook page and stuff and we also tweet yes we do crime and stuff and you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook check out our website oh it's not a group it's not a group we don't have a face group and also if you want to do your own podcast or switch your podcast over to blueberry hosting which we do because we love our stats and all the cool stuff check it out through the blueberry links on our site yes and thank you and thanks and we'll see you next week okay bye-bye and um can you make me not look fat in that photo (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll try.